Two years ago, Americans watched in horror as a crisis unfolded at the Kabul airport. She was tear gassed and beaten. Images of thousands desperate to escape Taliban oppression filled our news feeds. More than 80,000 Afghans made it to America. But the story didn't end there. It was very cold. There was no power, no heat. Who would help our newest neighbors? I'm Andrea Smartin. In Stranger Becomes Neighbor, you'll hear the stories of some remarkable refugees who left their homes and their dreams behind only to start over from zero. Their only possession was three blankets. And you'll meet Americans who stepped up to help them. You want me to come when you deliver your baby. What can one person do in the face of an international disaster decades in the making? That's Stranger Becomes Neighbor. Find us at kslpodcast.com, follow us on Apple Podcasts, or anywhere else you listen. Welcome back to the program. I'm Lee Lonsberry. Wasn't that a treat, that segment there prior, speaking to the president of the Navajo Nation? I know the circumstances uh, which brought us together, the unfortunate passing of Joe Van Dever Sr. He was one of those Navajo code talkers. He was 96. Uh, passed away uh, just this morning uh, in his home at Haystack in New Mexico. And we spoke. Uh, man, that was cool. I, I really enjoyed that. So we'll have it up on the podcast. I'm going to share a link directly to it there on my Facebook page. Uh, Lee Lonsberry, you can search that out. Uh, and be careful. You, when you search Lee Lonsberry, you're going to find two things. You'll find my personal thing, uh, my little profile, whatever you call it. You'll see pictures of my, like, tailless cat uh, and maybe me running around town. Um, but uh, what I want you to click on in particular is the, the Lee Lonsberry page. They set it up for me new here at KSL, a way for me to share some of the things that we work on here on the program. Uh, producer Amy and I put a bunch of work into this program, and uh, hopefully... Uh, you, you enjoy it. Uh, also, Producer Josh, hey, don't want to leave you out. Doing great work here. In fact, uh, Producer Josh, you chopped up the audio in this next segment. So, uh, very good. Thank you for that. We're going to get to it here in just a moment, uh, though. Let me uh, invite you to download an app before I get on to the meat of this section uh, segment. KSL News Radio app. It's powered by Any Hour Services. Uh, and on there, you can you listen to the program, of course, and you can uh, also see what's going on here in the studio. We've got a live feed. That means I have to, like, I comb my hair every day and bathe and all because uh, of these cameras. I'm self-conscious. So KSL News Radio app, powered by Any Hour Services. Now listen, you've heard here on this program, I am uh, I am Second Amendment friendly. I am a hobbyist. I, I enjoy firearms. I was raised from a very young age to uh, appreciate them, respect them. Uh, I learned all the safety rules. I mentioned just last week, I think, that I was watching a uh, Eddie Eagle NRA VHS table animated thing when I was very young. And Eddie Eagle's job, at least in the NRA world, was to teach children gun safety. The rules we learned watching that VHS tape were stop, don't touch, leave the area, tell an adult. So if you're a child and you encounter a firearm, you stop, you don't touch, you leave the area, you tell an adult. And uh, those are the safety rules I was raised with. And then when uh, I made it out to the range for the first time, we learned all about uh, trigger discipline and uh, make sure to uh, only point your weapon in a safe direction, downrange if you're at the range, uh, up into the sky and downrange only if you are outside. Uh, keep your finger off the trigger until you're ready to fire. Uh, don't move your guns around if they're loaded uh, and to obey the range master at all times and all those uh, safety rules that we know uh, is so well and good. The reason I bring that up is simply to tell you where where I stand on all of this. I think 
that the Constitution grants us the right to bear arms uh, in the Second Amendment, and I think that uh, there is an effort by many to infringe on that these days. Uh, so in terms of the politics, I'm going to leave it at that. That's where I stand, uh, and you'll kind of see that uh, woven throughout many of the conversations I have on that issue here. Uh, but at the same time, that doesn't mean we're going to uh, exclude folks from voicing uh, their opinions and views and efforts, including Steve Handy. You know, he's been on this program a number of times. We spoke to him live and in person just Monday of this week as we traveled up to Utah's Capitol Hill to host a special program, a special episode of uh, Live Mike. We broadcasted uh, up there and we spoke to a number of legislators, including Steve Handy, uh, who is working on uh, Utah's version of one of these red flag laws. Now, how does that work? Uh, Real quick, because you know, uh, just for those uh, who who may be unaware, real quick, a red flag law or one of these extreme risk protection orders is where if you are exhibiting a, a threat to yourself or others, there are indivi- and you are a gun owner, uh, there are folks uh, in your life uh, who would then be able to approach a judge and say, hey, listen, so-and-so is uh, a danger to themselves or others. Uh, here's my evidence. Here's why I think that they ought to uh, be uh, prohibited from possessing firearms. And if the judge signs that order, then, well, it's time for the uh, police to show up and take them away. Now, here in Utah, we don't have laws like that uh, currently. Other places, they, they do. In fact, uh, I was just reading an article shared with me by producer Amy this morning. Out of New Jersey, they had uh, one of these such laws go on the books early September of last year. And since then, uh, they've had about 187 firearm confiscations. Uh, on 187 in instances, uh, there has been evidence produced, uh, evidence, uh, an argument rather, presented to a judge and that judge has said, yeah, you know what, why don't we send the sheriff over to pick up those guns? And then the guns have been taken away. Now, uh, where how you react to that is going to depend on your politics. Uh, I, if I'm honest, feel like it is a, a little hasty uh, that there needs to be a more robust process, a more robust due process before the Second Amendment rights of someone are, are taken away. Uh, but at the same time, that does not mean I'm insensitive to the clear and present threat posed by some folks, uh, either to themselves or others, uh, when they're experiencing some sort of mental difficulty or they're having certain ideations or uh, whatever uh, are experiencing some sort of distress that might cause them to hurt themselves or others. Uh, how do we uh, provide a safe circumstance for folks experiencing that and how do we experience or how do we uh, bring about a safe circumstance for those who live in the periphery uh, of those individuals? We don't want to violate their constitutional rights but we do want to ensure safety. How do you find the sweet spot in between there? Well, uh, Senator Thatcher, uh, has uh, uh, one such suggestion. There are there's the red flag laws, and then I've noticed here on Utah's Capitol Hill this year that there are a number of legislators who are working to uh, combat the threat posed by folks experiencing some sort of mental distress without uh, going as far as uh, uh, removing someone's uh, ability to enjoy their Second Amendment rights as uh, bluntly and starkly as does these red flag laws. So what is Senator Thatcher up to? Uh, he 
uh, this morning he and I spoke at length on the on the phone. I'm going to share with you some of the things he shared uh, with me uh, on the phone as he explained his legislation this morning. It's uh, he's a senator, so he's got a Senate bill it's, uh, number 87 making its way through the process, and it has to do uh, with uh, safe harbor laws here in the state of Utah. Right now, uh, you can turn your firearms in if you feel like you uh, are in some sort of distress. You can bring your firearms uh, to law enforcement and say, "Hey, could you hold on to these? I'm not feeling." so right and I think it might be safer for me and those I love if uh, uh, these were out of my reach for a time. Uh, Well, so too can someone who is uh, your spouse. If you have a spouse here in Utah, they also own uh, those firearms and so that spouse can bring those down uh, to law enforcement. Now, if now here, here's the interesting thing. A lot of these uh, legislative uh, uh, efforts are tailored to address very, very specific things. So let me uh, uh, just explain to you. In that circumstance, if you are the owner of the firearm and you go back uh, to pick up your firearms, you can have them. Uh, no questions asked, regardless of anything. Now, if uh, your spouse or someone uh, it t- undertakes an effort to uh, put in place a restraining order, uh, you can still go and pick up those firearms until that uh, restraining order is enacted. Now, what that means is there's a period of time between uh, when the f- restraining order is uh, first filed or requested, rather, and then when it is granted. Uh, and some would argue that that is the time where the threat is the most clear and present. Senator Thatcher would like to make it so that if your guns have been delivered under the safe harbor laws, if you are in the midst of the proceedings which could lead to a restraining order, you would be uh, prohibited from picking up uh, those firearms. So let's walk through what Senator Thatcher had to tell me this morning. They don't have to prove anything. They don't have to argue anything. They walk in and say... Um, you know, would you please hold on to these for me for a while? They don't have to make any statements. They don't have to say, I'm worried my husband's suicidal. They don't have to worry, I believe, my... my, my so that's, that, that's the state of Safe Harbor laws uh, today and now. And here's his explanation of how we'd like to see it. We already agree that if a protective order is in place, the person should not have a weapon. So what do you do during the time that it takes for the protective order to go into effect. Right now, the person can walk into the police station, and even if there is a copy of the pending protective order sitting on top of the guns in the evidence room, if I walk in and say, I want my property back, I do not currently show as a restricted person, there is nothing that allows them to say, no, we're going to wait until the judge sees you on Thursday. Senator Thatcher's legislation would change that a bit so that if you are in the midst of being adjudicated uh, and there is a, a pending restraining order against you, uh, you would not be able to pick up your firearms. It's a very, it's a very, very specific and niche uh, issue. But uh, for those whose lives uh, hang in the balance, it could be very important. Uh, moving on. Next segment, we are going to speak with a colleague of mine, Rachel Scott. She's on the road in Iowa right now, works for ABC News. She's going to call and give us a report on what's happening in Iowa, specifically on the president's campaign trail. He, in the midst of these impeachment proceedings, hosted a rally uh, just yesterday in Iowa. We're going to get a report from Rachel Scott next here on Live Mike. I'm Lee Lonsberry, and this is KSL News Radio. A gun in the face. Then all of a sudden, they all kind of lined up. They pointed their guns at me. And this is the point where I thought, I'm going to die today. Started two years of horror for an American in Venezuela. They said, you need to give us your phone 
and get ready because you're coming with us. I'm Becky Bruce, and I spent a year researching and piecing together Josh and Tammy Holt's story about their ordeal in a notorious prison. That's when everything started to turn bad. We had another pound on the door. Boom, boom, boom. And there was the police once again. You can binge all of the episodes of Hope in Darkness on kslpodcasts.com or wherever you get your podcasts.